0: Hi, this is Pastor Curtis. I want to thank you for checking out the Family Church Podcast. I hope it encourages you and inspires you to take your next step of faith. You can find out more about how to do that at our website, familychurch.xyz. And if you know a friend who needs to hear this message, please forward it on to them. I hope you enjoy the message. Well, good morning, everyone. so good to be back with you this week, even though we were at Sue's Family Reunion last week we did worship with you as part of our eCampus Church, watching online from deep in the hill country of Texas, Llano, Texas. And after watching Kyle's message last week, I ain't going to lie, I'm feeling a little pressure this morning. <laughs> you know, I mean, because then, you know, I, I saw, I, I know it was good, I saw it. And then we get back to town and everyone, did you, hear, did you hear Kyle's message, did you hear Kyle's message? Yeah. Yeah, I heard it, you know. And there comes a point where I quit hearing, did you hear Kyle's message? And I start hearing, you better bring it, Sunday. <laughs> So pray for your pastor this morning, would you? No, seriously, it was a great message. And so now might be a good time to let everyone know that uh, uh, Kyle is officially on staff at Family Church now. Uh, the board uh, decided uh, a couple weeks ago uh, to go ahead and bring him on staff part time. And so uh, I think that deserves a round of applause. Um, we, we are, um, and some of you know this, we are where we're at today, doing large part. Uh, to Kyle and his strategic leadership, and uh, so we did hire him part time as our executive pastor and uh, and, and part, you know obviously there's a lot lot of components to this we're our, we are where we 're at today also because of Zach, but don 't tell him anything because he 'll want to start getting paid too so <laughs> uh, but uh, but anyway uh, yeah so just congratulate Kyle before you leave here, would you uh, I think it's a an excellent decision to bring him on on staff here at family church so uh got a question for you? Have you ever been with a group of people and they're, they're all talking to one another and, and you're kind of standing there in the midst or in the circle or whatever and then every now and then someone else will chime in and then everyone will start responding to, to what that person says and then someone else will say something and then people start responding to that and then you speak up and crickets. <laughs> Nothing, right? Anyone ever experienced anything like that? Yeah, me neither. Um, here's the deal. I think we do tend to do the same thing with God. I think we go about our daily lives with this vague awareness that that God is like somewhere around, but for the most part, we really don't acknowledge His presence. We are beginning this new series this morning, and I'm really excited about it, titled Living in His Presence. The purpose of the series is pretty self-explanatory, to help us learn how to live our lives, as the title says, in His presence. But what exactly does that mean? What exactly does that mean, living in His presence? I mean, it sounds nice, right? It makes a great-sounding title for a sermon series. But when you're talking about living in the presence of an invisible God, what exactly does that mean anyway? And is it even possible to live in His presence? I mean, if God is eternal and not confined to this time-space continuum that we live in, and if He's always present everywhere, at the same time, aren't we we always in His presence, kind of? Well, let's talk about that for a minute. While God has many divine attributes, and many theologians kind of condense these down to to four divine attributes, this is systematic theology 101, I won't charge any extra for this this morning, but basically there are four divine attributes that God possesses. He's omnipotent, which is all-powerful. He's he's omniscient, which is all-knowing. He's omnibenevolent, and I didn't even know that was a word, but He's omnibenevolent, which is all loving. He's all good. And then the fourth one is He's omnipresent, meaning meaning that He's every place at the same time, or widely and constantly encountered is how that's defined. So question, if God is widely or constantly encountered, then aren't we always in His presence? That's the question we're going to wrestle with this morning as we launch this new series, Living in His Presence. So right off the bat, I need to explain some things to you about God's presence. When it comes to God's presence, there's really three different aspects of His presence. The omnipresence of God, which I just defined for you, Psalm 139.7 says, Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? So you have the omnipresence of God. Then there's the inner presence of God by His Holy Spirit, John 14.7 says, you know Him for He dwells with you and will be in you. That's Jesus speaking there, but He's talking about the Holy Spirit. So you have His omnipresence, you have His inner presence, and then there's this manifest presence of God, what I'm calling the manifest presence of God. Uh, this is miraculously di- driven by divine intervention. Those times when, when He intervenes in our lives and makes His presence known among us. Among us. And this aspect of God's presence is what we're going to be focusing on in this series. God's made known manifest presence in our life. Because there is a direct link to our worship, and we're going to find this out through this series, there's a direct link to our worship of Him and living in His manifest or made known presence. Okay. So, the big idea for this message this morning, even when we make mistakes, even when we make mistakes, God wants us, wants, wants to make His presence known to us because He loves us and He desires to be in our presence and us in His presence worshiping Him. And actually, you understand this better than you might realize. For example, how many of you would say that there are times during our Sunday morning worship that, that you really sense God's presence? Now. Oh. Where you just kind of really, you know, there's something there about that time where you, he, he feels closer to you than, than when you pulled into the parking lot, than when you checked your kids into family kids, than when you got your cup of coffee and, and started shaking hands and hugging necks, right? And then you come in here, and then Sam greets us, and the, and the worship band strikes up that first chord, and we begin to focus on him through praise and worship, and you begin to sense his presence, Closer than when you pulled into the parking lot. You know what I'm talking about? There's there's just that time when, man, all of a sudden you just feel really close to God. Well, one of the purposes of this series is to help us learn how we can begin to live our lives with with that presence all the time. Not just just on Sunday morning, but, but Monday through Saturday as well. We can live in His manifest presence. Now, not that our walk with God has to always be an emotional high. Let, let me clarify something here, because that's not what I'm talking about. See, if our walk with God was measured strictly through the grid of our emotions, we'd all be in bad shape. Here's why. God's attitude towards us, listen, God's attitude towards us is not dictated by our circumstances. See, if that were the case, then, then anytime, time we were, something bad happened to us, then we would think that God doesn't like us anymore. And that's not the case at All right. If you ever lose sight of of God's attitude and how God feels about you, if you ever lose sight of that, just look at the cross. The cross is a constant reminder that He loves us and He is committed to us. So I'm not talking about living on this constant high where nothing bad ever happens because that's that's, that's just not going to happen this side of heaven. All right? So when we talk about living in His presence, please don't misunderstand what, what that is. It's not a pursuit of, of a constant spiritual high, but rather the confidence of, of His nearness to us at all times, no matter what circumstances we find ourselves in, whether we're spiritually or emotionally high on top of the mountain, or we're spiritually or emotionally low down in the valley. We can still have the confidence of knowing that He's with us and can say like the psalmist said, for you are with me. So, as we launch this new series this morning, we're going to define what we mean by presence when we say living in His presence. And then we're going to see how we both enter and leave that manifest presence. So, the manifest presence of God. To understand the manifest presence of God, we need to go back to the beginning. I'm talking about the very beginning. Because God actually started this whole thing back in the Garden of Eden, walking and talking with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. But, and you know how the story went, Adam and Eve disobeyed God's command not to eat of the tree, and one of the cataclysmic events or effects of sin and the fall of man was not just the loss of innocence, but also the loss of fellowship with God, or rather the loss of His presence, His manifest, made-known presence. Genesis 3 describes it. Let's read it. Genesis 3, verse 8. And they, talking about Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Now watch this next statement closely. And the man and his wife, talking about Adam and Eve, hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. You see that? Sin always causes us to try to hide from the presence of God. Even, listen, even in a worship service, especially in a worship service, but you already knew that, didn't you? You already knew that because you can't count the number of times that Satan has tried to convince you that you shouldn't worship Because of, and then he'll bring up something that happened last night, something that happened last week, something that happened last month, right? He'll bring up some point of failure where you blew it and gave in to some point of temptation because, see, that's what he does. That's what he does. He brings up our past. In fact, John actually addresses Satan as our accuser. Revelation chapter 12. He's he's called the accuser of the brethren, and he does that because that's what he does. He brings accusations against us. See, here's what Satan does. Satan plays both sides of the fence here with us. First he'll tempt us, try to get us to fall into some point of temptation, and then when we do, he jumps on the other side and accuses us. I can't believe you did that. And you call yourself a Christian. And you sit out there, you're standing out there singing, lifting your hands, are you kidding me? Right? Anyone relate to that? You come in here, you're, you're really trying to enter into his presence, and then he starts bringing up those things and pointing that accusing finger at you. Listen to me, when you blow it, When you blow it, when you stumble spiritually, the absolute best thing you can do is worship God. That is the best thing you can do. Don't let Him lie to you. The best thing you can do is enter into His presence through praise and worship. And as we progress through this series, you'll see how those two things, worship of God and entering His presence, go hand in hand. For now, the issue is being intentional about entering His presence, something that wasn't an issue before the fall of man, but is an issue for us now on this side of the fall. Sin drives us from God, worship draws us to God. But please note, it says that they hid themselves from the presence of God. Now we know this can't be talking about His omnipresence, because if God is everywhere, how can you hide from His presence? So if Adam and Eve, questioned, if Adam and Eve weren't hiding from God's omnipresence, what were they hiding from? They were hiding from His manifest, His made-known presence in their lives. Another uh, story, another chapter, uh, Exodus chapter 33, records a conversation that took place between God and Moses one time that might help explain God's manifest presence a little differently. Exodus 33, verses 14 and 15. And he, now this is God talking to Moses here, and he said, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Verse 15. And he, Moses, talking back to God, said, if your presence will not go with me, don't bring us up from here. Little translation, God, if you don't go with us, we don't want to go. You see that? Moses was scared to go without God. And you know what? We should have that same mindset. Man, God, if you're not going to go with me today, I don't even want to go out there. Right? Okay, so how can God say, my presence will go with you if he's present everywhere? If he's already present everywhere, how can he say, my presence will go with you? It's because he's not referring to his omnipresence, he's referring to his manifest presence. God's basically telling Moses, I'm going to walk with you on a daily basis like I walked with Adam and Eve. And Moses' response is, if you don't go with us God, then I don't want to go. But if you're going to go, let's go. I'm ready. That, dear ones, is God's manifest or God's made known presence. Sort of like trying to illustrate this Sort of like if there uh, if there happened to be a multimillionaire present with us in the service uh, this morning, you know, we, we might acknowledge you know their presence. But let's say that this multimillionaire went around to everyone and did what only a multimillionaire could do: give hundred thousand dollars to every person here. Right now, at that point, now watch this because at that point he would be manifesting or making his presence known. Do you see that? I want to pause here just for a second just in case there's a multi-millionaire. Okay, I guess he's not here with us. But anyway. So when we come, so do you understand the difference there? There's a difference between being present and then manifesting that presence, okay? So, when we come to church and we worship God or we enter into our quiet time, God wants to manifest His presence. He wants to, to make His presence known and He wants to do something for you that you can't do for yourself, that only He can do. And that's His manifest presence. Now, having defined what it is that we're talking about when we say living in His presence, God's made known presence, let's talk about entering and leaving His manifest presence. More specifically, how we enter or leave His presence. Because even though we might not be able to leave His omnipresence, listen, we do have control over leaving and entering His manifest or His made known presence. And the Bible tells us how that's done. How about leaving His presence? How do we leave God's presence? Well, to answer that let's go back to the first time someone left His manifest presence. We read it in Genesis 3 verse 8 about how Adam and Eve hid from the presence of God. Okay, now that was chapter 3. Okay, that was Genesis chapter 3. Shortly after that, in the very next chapter, Genesis chapter 4, we see how Cain murders his brother Abel, but then notice what it says in verse 16 of Genesis 4. Then Cain, now watch this, went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Notice that Cain went out from the presence of God. Again, we know this isn't referring to God's omnipresence because we can't leave His omnipresence. It's talking about Cain going out from the manifest, or the made-known presence of God. Someone else who left God's presence was Jonah. Let's read about that, Jonah 1, verses 1 and 2. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come before me. Verse 3, But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, Away. Here it is again. Away from the presence of the Lord. So Jonah's fleeing from the presence, the manifest presence of the Lord. So how do you leave the presence of God? Well, it's real simple. Just don't do what he tells you to do. Or do what he tells you not to do. Right? He, he instructed Adam and Eve not to eat from the tree, and they ate, and they left the presence of God. And they hid themselves from the presence of God. And then they actually had to leave Eden eventually. He told Cain to deal with his attitude about God accepting Abel's offering and not Cain's, right? He didn't deal with his attitude, so he murders his brother, and as a result he leaves the presence of God. He didn't do what God told him to do. God tells Jonah, go to Nineveh, preach to them so they'll repent. Jonah didn't do it, so he ends up leaving the presence of God. So how do we leave the presence of God? It's real simple, through disobedience. Through disobedience. God tells us to do something, we don't do it. And according to, now watch this, according to the biblical pattern that's what causes us to leave the presence of God when we disobey Him. So let's take a look at this through a very practical lens. Let's say God spoke to you maybe about ending an unhealthy relationship, but then you keep making excuses for not ending that relationship. Be careful. You might be leaving the presence of God. Or let's say God dealt with you about something like, uh, something like how about tithing? Becoming a percentage giver. Say He did a couple years ago, you know, You heard a message on that, and you said, I need to do that. Here, two years later, and you're still not tithing. You might give, but no, God God called you out on your tithing, and you're not doing it. Be careful. Be careful. I'm telling you, you run the risk of leaving His presence. His manifest, made known presence. Look, I'm not trying to scare you. Please please don't misunderstand. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to warn you. When you look at the biblical pattern for people leaving God's presence, it's always related to a point of disobedience in their life. Willful, that's that's a huge word, willful disobedience. I'm not talking about mistakes. We're all human. We're going to make mistakes. But I'm talking about those willful, knowingly calculated points of disobedience where you know God called you out on it, but you just know, I'm not going to change. Be careful, dear ones. Be careful, dear ones, when you find yourself in that position. You know, it really doesn't matter how committed you say you are to God. As long as you continue to allow points of willful disobedience in your life, God, listen, God can't be present with you. It's not for a lack of wanting to. He can't because our sin. Isaiah, Isaiah, the prophet says, it is because of your sins that He doesn't hear you. It is your sins that, watch this, separate you from God when you try to worship Him. So it's not that God doesn't want, He can't, folks. Our disobedience actually blocks Him. And really, when when I say leaving His presence, it's really not even so much us walking away from Him, it's kind of blocking Him from, from being a part of our lives more than anything. All right. Having looked at how to leave God's presence, let's now look at how to enter His presence. How do you enter the presence of the Lord? Well, again, looking at the biblical pattern, it appears the best way to enter God's presence is through praise and worship. Psalm 95.1, the psalmist says, O come, let us sing to the Lord, let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Verse 2, let us, here it is, come into His presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to Him with songs of praise. Psalm 100 verses 1 and 2, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth, serve the Lord with gladness come into his presence with what singing singing again god's presence and our in our praise and worship go they go hand in hand and, and i know the pushback the pushback for some people is and for, for many people in fact they think they can't i can't sing i can't sing right so so they think that they can't enter into god's presence because they can't sing look this isn't about how musically inclined you are or how, or how well you can sing it's about making a joyful noise everyone can make a joyful noise Hey, I'm not a good singer. Why do you think I sit up front? You all can't hear me. If I sat back there, I'd clear this place out. I'm not a good singer. One time I was visiting a church and during the worship when they had a meet and greet time between songs when you're supposed to turn and greet someone, the person in front of me turned around to greet me and he said, you know, you remind me of a jailhouse singer. So I'm sitting there thinking, oh, you mean like Paul and Silas when they sing praises to God in the prison and he said, no, like, you know, you're always behind a few bars and looking for a key. <laughs> I'm sorry, that, that's a dad joke left over from Father's Day. That just, It's down in there, and it's just trying to get out, and it, it's, it, it finally got out. We all can't sing like the ladies on our worship team, but we can all make a joyful noise. Not only do you have to, to not know how to uh, sing to worship God, you don't even know how to be a musician to worship, right? In fact, next week we're going to see just how, now this is important, next week we're going to see how important praise and worship is to living in His presence, but also the, the fact that, you know, we are hardwired to worship God. We, we, we have worship in our DNA, okay? Now, people who don't know the Lord obviously don't worship Him, but everyone worships someone or something, or both, because we, we default to that. We were created as worship beings. Before the fall Adam and Eve didn't hide from God's presence. They sought Him because God created them to seek Him. Sin changed all that. It didn't change our default worship setting. We still worship. It's just that we're not directing that worship where He intended it to be directed. You know there's been a few times where after service, between services, I'll be talking to maybe a first time visitor to the church and and they'll compliment our worship, but here's what they here's here's what they they say they they say they say things like, "Man, I really enjoyed the band," you know, or "or man, that was some really that was some really good music," and and I know what they're saying because we do have a pretty kicking worship team, don't we? I mean, it's, it's 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 pretty good. So I know I know what they're saying, but what they don't realize is that attraction wasn't just due to the skill of our musicians or singers, as good as they are. No, that that attraction was that person finally realized what they were created to do in the first place, which is worship Him. That's what that attraction was. Now it helps to have good musicians and good singers, but that's not the key there. But sadly some of you only enter His presence once a week when you come to church. And then you try to make it through the whole week without ever entering His presence again or living in His presence. The promise of God's Word is that He has new mercies for us every day. Not just Sunday morning, Here's how Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, put it. In Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, he said, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every Sunday morning. Is that what your Bible says? You better get another Bible. They are new every morning. Every morning, great is your faithfulness. Let's make a commitment to start walking in His mercies every morning, not just Sunday morning. I mean, come on, that's doable for everyone, isn't it? That's doable for everyone. If you do nothing else commit to entering the Lord's presence and inviting His mercies every morning. Now I I know in my life when I do this my day goes so much better. It really does. And it has nothing, listen it has nothing to do with the circumstances of the day. Because my days are no different than yours. I have some good days and I have some bad days. But I can honestly say that, that even on the bad days that I still sense the peace and joy of the Lord. See that's what living in His presence will do for you. You're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days. But I'd rather have them both with Jesus than without him, right? So don't let a bad day, quote, unquote, keep you from living in his presence. In fact, the great preacher Charles Spurgeon once said this. He said, one of the best evidences of God's presence is the devil's growl. (laughs) I like that. I I read that and I thought of that verse that says the devil prowls around like a roaring lion. You've heard this, seeking whom he might devour. Did you know that when a lion is stalking its prey, it doesn't roar? In fact, it does exactly the opposite. It relies on its quiet and still. In fact, the only time the lion roars is when, it, is when it's, it feels threatened. So don't be intimidated by a crappy day. That's just the devil's way of letting you know that he knows God's with you. Okay? That was worth, come on, it was worth coming this morning just to hear that, right? Lord, help us to like Moses, say, Lord, if you're not going to go with us, with us, then we don't want to go. We don't want to go. See, to, to, to help us to live, have this desire to live in God's presence, help us to be desperate for Him. Not just Sunday morning, but throughout the rest of the week as well. So, how do we do this? How do we get motivated to begin living in God's presence? So, real quick, three things, three next steps that we can take to help us begin living in His presence. First, acknowledge your total dependence on Him. Acknowledge your total dependence on Him. Parents, do you remember the first time you dropped your child off at a babysitter or Mother's Day out? you remember the child's reaction when you when you left them in the arms of whoever you left them with or the babysitter or whatever right right you want they're they're like oh, no you know they're, they're reaching out for you and you're walking out you know and you're, you're feeling so oh no what am i doing here traumatizing them right it was heartbreaking wasn't it it was also eye-opening because you realized how desperately this child needs you and wants you we should learn to cling to god with that same desperation that a child feels on their first visit to daycare. That same level of intensity. That same attitude that says, I can't let you go. I'm not going to let you go. I can't let you out of my sight. Lord, help us to acknowledge your presence throughout the day. And then, and then those times that we might venture off course. Here are a couple things that you can do uh, to, to help you be where you need to be. So, acknowledging His presence first. Do it first thing in the morning. Get into the habit of acknowledging God's presence first thing in the morning. Start a conversation with Him before you do anything else. Set aside the first part of each day to invite and acknowledge God's presence. Second, get into the habit of acknowledging God's presence in the evening. The last thing, during those closing moments of each day, after you've turned off the TV, uh, put down the book, kissed your spouse goodnight, just acknowledge His presence right before your head hits the pillow and you close your eyes. Maybe today wasn't a perfect day. Maybe you made more mistakes than, than you can count. And maybe you forgot to acknowledge His presence more times than you care to admit. But it's not too late to acknowledge His presence. As you begin this day saying, God, I need Your presence in my life. And as you end it the same way, God, I need Your presence in my life. Just begin doing that. Make that a habit. And in time, the gap between those two will close. And you'll find yourself with that childlike desperation for holding on to your Heavenly Father throughout the day. That's one way to get motivated to begin living in His presence. Acknowledge Him each day at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day. Another way to begin living in His presence is by begin living a lifestyle of praise and gratitude. David said, I'll enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise, Psalm 100 verse 4. An essential step to living in His presence is to come to Him with a spirit of gratitude. Forget for a moment all the good reasons you have to complain because we all have those, Right? forget those, instead think back on every good thing that has ever happened, every blessing, every success, every pleasant experience, and take a moment to acknowledge the source behind all of those. Take a moment to say, God, thank you. Take a moment to say, to God be the glory for the great things that He has done in my life. Seeking God means that we stop for a moment talking about me, 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 and we make our prayers more about Him, Him, Him. Lord, You are good, You are worthy, And even if you were never to do another good thing in my life, your goodness is still worthy of praise. Those of you who did the Bible reading devotion with us this past week, the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, might remember that the exercise for day five was this, find your Sabbath moments find your Sabbath moments. Those opportunities throughout each day that we all have where instead of reaching for our phone, instead of reaching for the remote, instead of picking up the iPad, we reach out to God and settle into His presence. Acknowledge your dependence on Him at the beginning and end of each day. Begin living a lifestyle of praise and gratitude. Thirdly, we begin living in His presence by spending time in His Word. Begin reading God's Word more consistently. Our personal relationship is not with the Bible. Our personal relationship is with with our Heavenly Father. But we encounter, listen, we encounter Him in the pages of the Bible. Even Jesus said that the Bible, the Scriptures testify about Him. Jesus said that. We cannot live in His presence apart from spending time in His Word. Through Scripture we come to know Him. Not just know about Him or know the details of this story or that story, but we come to know Him personally, through the Scriptures. And then lastly, begin clearing out the clutter. Begin clearing out the clutter. This is sort of what Kyle was talking about last week. See, for many of us, there's so much going on in our lives that we just don't feel like we have the time or energy to pursue a closer relationship with God. But when you take a close look at your day-to-day activities, your day-to-day schedule, be honest. I think you're probably going to find that there are some things there that take up some of your time that really aren't essential. Things that you really could give up you really could give up, right? Just taking a few moments each day just to be with God, to be still in His presence. And that will, listen, that will strengthen your relationship with Him and will magnify His presence in your life. That's why He said in Psalm 46, verse 10, Be still and know that I am God. How do we know God? you got to be still. you got to be still first. Amen? Let me pray for you. But before I do, I want you to pray. I want each of you to pray right now. Those of you here, are those from our Ecampus Church, everyone, I want you to pray that the Holy Spirit would show you what He wanted you to learn from this message. If you took the time to come here, if you took the time to tune in on or from our Ecampus Church, if you took the time to do that, I'm convinced God has something to say to you. So, right now, just say, Lord, what do you want to say to me? By your Holy Spirit, show me what you wanted to say to me. And He might show you now, He might show you later after lunch, He might show you in the morning. He will show you. But just pray that simple prayer. Lord, what did you want me to learn from this message? What part of this message do I need to apply to my life? Okay, And then when he shows you, pray for grace and strength to obey what he tells you. Let's pray. Lord, help all of us right now begin living in your presence, your your manifest, made-known presence, recognizing now that we have control over that. We have control over your manifest, made-known presence, the entering and leaving your presence. We have control over that, Lord. Help us begin doing those things that will lead us into your daily presence and help us to not do those things that will cause us to leave your manifest presence. For those of you who maybe have willfully disobeyed, and in so doing you left God's presence or blocked his presence from your life, maybe from your marriage, maybe from your finances, maybe from your kids, any area where willful disobedience has led you out of God's presence, I pray, that, I pray that you would just repent right now. Just tell him, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lord, for my willful disobedience again. Forgive me and help me right now from this day forward to begin doing those things that will not just lead me back into your presence, but help me remain in your presence. Or, you know, you might not know what it is. You just might say, you know, I just know that I'm not living in victory right now, and, and, and I want to. I want to be in the presence of the Lord. Just tell him that. Lord, I, I want to do this. I want to be in your presence throughout each day. So help me to do those things that will make that happen. If you've never taken that first step of faith of inviting God's presence into your life, it would be my honor to lead you into a prayer where you could just do that. Invite his presence made known, manifest presence into your life. Would you just pray this simple prayer? Say, Father God, I ask you now to forgive me of my sins. I do believe that Jesus Christ died for me, that he rose for me, and I'm asking him to come and live inside of me right now, inside of my heart, by his Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me and helping me live my life for you. In Jesus' name, amen.